Well, you're very welcome along. It's the gardening show this morning. Good morning, Pori. Good morning, Viv. Bit of blight. A bit of blight this weekend, yes. So Met Airden have issued a blight warning. And uh, typically at this time of year, Viv, as we come into mid-May and and June sort of period, once we get that kind of moist, warm uh, weather we're experiencing at the moment, blight is always can be a problem. But particularly Saturday night, and Sunday. So if you've got potatoes above the ground or if you have them in tunnels or greenhouses or tomatoes, give them a light dressing of the bare blight spray at this time, this today if possible, because the blight is coming tonight and tomorrow. And listeners should just keep an eye out on Mejairn. Mejairn are fantastic for issuing blight warnings, so you just need to check on their website periodically. Jenny, if you apply the the bare blight treatment now, that'll give you protection for up to two weeks. So if you apply today, your plants are and like are, are they kaput if they get blight? Well, blight can be very destructive on particularly tomatoes and potatoes. They're in the Solianaceae family in exactly the same family. And, you know, once it gets blight, obviously the foliage starts to desiccate and rot away. So you want to avoid the blight if at all possible. And does blight affect any other plants? No, they, no, it's it's mainly potatoes and um, all potato varieties, obviously. Now, some are, are blight resistant. There are varieties like Blue Danube and Satanta that are better. But my advice really is when you get this kind of blight warning, get the, the, the bare blight treatment on. So tomatoes and, and um, potatoes in particular, if you've got them in tunnels and greenhouses, try to keep the area ventilated, plenty yeah. of air movement, and try to keep the foliage dry. So when you're watering, water the soil rather than the actual foliage because blight is spread by the spores of moisture. Okay, lovely stuff. Now, uh, you came on to me a little while ago and we were talking about next week. So just give the listeners who might not be listening well, uh, what's happening next week. Before we jump into next week, okay. I just want to mention I had a very, very busy week because this week um, with Bloom coming up and with the Mallow Show coming up. But the highlight of my week, I had to go in for a little bit of surgery this week on Thursday uh, into Mayo General Hospital. And sometimes hospitals get a bad old rap, but I had a fantastic experience in the daycare centre. So I just want to say a huge thank you to the frontline staff there, uh, people like John and Mary. There was a lovely student nurse called Avril in her third year. Uh, she took care of me for the day. And Kieran, the tea maker, he was absolutely fantastic. I was in actually a six-bedded ward, yeah. myself and five ladies, and we had oh. great banter, we had great crack. <laughs> I went in at 7.30 and, of course, uh, you know... In the morning. 7.30 in the morning, typical me, I had forgotten my mask so when I went in at 7.30, of course, everybody in the hospital had, has masks on, down into Dare Case Centre. I said to the um, to the nurse, any chance I could get a mask? She said, no problem at all. So take a seat in the, in the waiting area. Really? Took my seat. She came up with a big box of masks and she winked at me and said, no, put the hand in there and dig deep. You're used to that. And, and gave me a mask. But they took care of me for the day. Absolutely fantastic. And service. how are you after I your surgery? I'm, I'm, I'm 100% back at work Friday morning, uh, 6.30. But I just want to say a huge thank you to them. They really took care of me. And, you know, the professionalism in there and the communication and the service that they give is absolutely fantastic. So to it, John Mary... It, was, it tea, was the tea as nice as you'd have it here? Well, yeah. do you know something? You know how you look forward to that cup of tea after surgery, but like the banter and the crack that we're having and the amount of cups of tea that poor old Kieran had to keep making and, and new, new pieces of toast and so on. 
but they gave great fantastic service and um, the amount of gardening questions I was asked uh, stuff. <laughs> Did you have all day long from 7.30 right through uh, so some stuff. of the answers as I was going, going under the drugs as the drugs were kicking in were yeah. probably a little bit circumspect so uh, you know so but we had great fun and I just wanted to say a huge thank you to them uh, I don't think they get enough credit for, for the good work they do and well I certainly said. had a fantastic well experience well said. Well said. Um, in Mayo General so thanks to the team there yeah we're out and about uh, next week Viv so as you know I'm going to the Cork Mallow show next Saturday uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday um, I'm one of the guest speakers down there but we'll be doing the programme live from Mallow I'll be telling you all about the lovely plants in Cork and as I said earlier yeah. Cork is about three weeks ahead of us in terms of plants that are in flower so we'll chat about that um, this week we're going to nip out to see Nora Nora Ralph Nora on food um, she's got nearly 20,000 uh, followers on Facebook and Nora did a piece with me as we went into COVID in 2020 I did a piece in their own garden out in Balcarra yeah. the Ralph family Barry and Helen uh, Tommy and um, June is, the, is, is Nora's sister and they're just a fantastic family that have embraced biodiversity the growing growing of, of their own vegetables and edibles and Nora is just fantastic I mean she's around six or seven now yeah. she probably Barry's give, a legend in fairness uh, well uh, Barry is is obviously he runs the uh, restaurant there the House of Plates in Castlebar and he's got an urban garden right at the back of the restaurant and that's where we're actually going to record the piece and he was telling me earlier so he's actually grown his stuff for the restaurant all the, he was, we were yeah. chatting this week um, about edible flowers and, and Barry was making the point to me that you know he uses a lot of edible flowers in sorbets and in, in desserts and in lots of the dishes as a garnish and you know you cannot fly those in from and you don't want to be flying them in from yeah. across the world yeah. because he, so he grows them fresh so 10 steps from the tunnel to the plate uh, and he's got a huge range of vegetables uh, tomatoes all of that so we'll be we'll be you're going to chatting pop out to him and have a natural and Nora's going to be there with me she's got Nora, Nora's fantastic for foraging so she knows more about wild plants than I do for example at the moment she's making fantastic um, spruce syrup from the spruce trees. So the spruce trees, the little conifers are coming into growth at the moment. They've got these lovely, the young growth is kind of a very pale green and they make this fantastic citric uh, flavoured uh, syrup out of the the little sprouts of new growth from the spruce tree. So we'll be chatting about things like that, okay. about foraging, uh, about growing plants with children in particular um, so that's a piece I'm really looking forward to record um, so that'll be broadcast next Saturday we're also going to Belmullet this week because I want to feature one of the seaside gardens it's a question we get all the time about yeah. seaside gardens so I'm actually going to bring some seaside plants with me and we're going to um, chat to the particular garden owner about the challenges about gardening in seaside areas the wind problems and the type of plants I'll be bringing on plants that I would recommend to plant good hardy uh, plants that will tolerate the wind conditions. And just to mention, Balcara Edible Landscape Project, they contacted me during the week and they have a project next Saturday, so not today, but on the 28th of May, next Saturday, uh, they're doing, and this I thought was a fantastic idea. So this is a national project that's been done by many communities around the country. And it's this edible landscape project where they plant fruit trees, fruit bushes like blackcurrants, gooseberries, apple trees in the landscape, 
in the community. And the concept is that the community come together, they plant up the landscape with edible plants. It could be a, veg, a village could, or something. Like it could be any village. It could be... You a could, housing estate? It can be housing estate. It can be any any village. By Cara doing it next Saturday, and they're inviting people to come along and get involved in the planting up of the community gardens. They're going to have some free seed and some plants to give. But the whole concept is that then any time during the summer, anybody from the community can cut a head, head of cabbage or take an apple from a tree. All the plants are planted but not treated with any pesticides. So you can take an apple in the middle of August or September and eat it there and then because you know it hasn't been treated with anything. So I thought it was an excellent idea, yeah. bringing the community together to use kind of green spaces to plant fruit, edible plants and teach people about the growing and, and obviously the harvesting and getting children involved as well. And Commissioner, have you ever, you know when you go from Castlebar to Bal, did you ever yeah. notice on the right-hand side of Bal they have like a wild area? Beautiful. Did you I, see it? I, brought, I drive past when I'm heading yeah. home every every Saturday after the show. I was actually admiring it last week. Amazing. The oxide daisies, the, the cornflowers coming into flower. Such a beautiful, simple little project. And again, using the landscape all the bees that are going to visit that. Yeah. And it's very low maintenance as well. And this is the time of year where people can sow areas of their garden under wildflowers. So the weather conditions are absolutely perfect for the sowing of wildflower seed. So if you have an area like they have in Baal, it's a bank in a sloped area. You can simply just rake the soil, put a little bit of garden lime down, chuck on some wildflower seed. They come in a whole range of dis different mixtures from tall varieties like you see in Baal with the oxide daisy and the cornflowers to shorter varieties that will only grow 18 inches at height to wildflowers that will grow in shaded areas to wildflowers that will attract the bees, the butterflies, the birds. There's a whole range of different mixtures. But this is the time in mid-May to sow the seed. Some will come into flower this year, but particularly this time next year, they'll all be in full flower. So if you've got a, a patch in the garden that you want to create a um, well, wildflower yeah, yeah. area, this is the time to do it. But like, and We've said this before, but it's just so important now with the, the, the demise of bees and stuff like that, that we people do that. And today is National Bee Day. Is it? National Bee Day, or World Bee Day, I think. Yeah. So to do something for the bees. I thought your Bee Day was what you had in the, the bathroom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it's 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 uh, it's International Bee Day today. So yes, it's a perfect time of year to do something for the bees. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to, to bloom in two weeks' time because they always have a huge amount of biodiversity, bee-friendly gardens, and, um, you know, great great time of year to give back. Speaking about plants, yes. I brought you in five easy-to-grow garden plants and many of these would be suitable for the bees and butterflies but also lovely to give uh, some colour so starting with and I always associate lupins with bloom because which one is that is well that? lupins are the lovely th this particular one here Viv I brought you in a couple of different varieties this is the west Co West country lupins so these are shorter varieties oh, yeah. they don't grow too tall um, there are varieties like masterpiece which is that lovely purple flowering variety Beautiful, just it? coming yeah. into flower at the moment Absolutely. you've got a yellow flowering one there called desert sun which is just bright yellow flowers and um, again so easy to grow the west coast west country lupin are a short variety so they only right. grow about three feet in height very sturdy very good in our windy climate lupins are just starting they're on the point of flowering now and if you deadhead them if you take off the old flowers as they're fading they will continue to flower right through to the end of the summer and there's a lovely variety then called manhattan lights which again is a two-tone variety two different colored flowers in the one flowers. So you got a lovely kind of uh, purple and yellow coloration with Manhattan Heights. So if you want some 
early summer colour that's going to flower this year, but every year after that, plant some lupins at this time of year. The other plant, they're available. They're available for planting now. They're really strong plants. The flower buds, as you can see, are just starting on them and they come in a whole range of different colours. It's such an easy plant to grow. The other plant that I associate with the summer are, of course, the hydrangeas and they're going to be blooming any time from the middle of June right through until November. Now, in particular, I like the paniculata family of hydrangeas. So these are hydrangeas that flower a bit like roses. They flower on the new growth. So whatever growth they make this summer, they produce their flowers from mid-June and I have them in flower generally up to about the middle of November in my own garden. They come in a whole range of different colours. I call them the 99 hydrangeas because the shape of the flower is cone-shaped, like a typical 99. And there are varieties like Annabelle, which produces a more rounded flower, but others like um, Limelight, which is this one here in studio. It produces really big cones of flower. They're roughly about eight inches in height, um, about four inches in diameter. And that plant will stay in flower from the middle of June right through to November. Another variety called Whims Red, which is a beautiful red variety, or probably my favourite is one called Vanilla Freeze because it's got both white and red flowers in on the one plant. It's a beautiful variety. So plant those now. Hydrangeas in general, um, if people have them in the garden, Give them a good feed now because they'll be knocked back quite a bit with the wind and they will need a little bit of extra feed this year and they should start blowing then from the middle of June right through. But particularly look out for those paniculata varieties. They're easy to grow, they're easy to prune at the end of the year and they just give a stunning show of colour for nearly six months of the year. They're absolutely terrific. For something low-growing, Viv, this particular plant is one called Parahebe. So it's this one here, here, yeah. It's an evergreen shrub, stays very low, produces again white flowers, beautiful white flowers, again from about the first week of June right through until late October, early November. So if you've got a slope bank and maybe a a, a low border that you want something that will grow about two feet in height, about three feet in diameter, evergreen with a long flowering period, then the parahebe is absolutely Parahebe. Parahebe. Really nice plant, easy to grow, um, very free flowering. It's one I'm actually going to bring to Belmullet next week with me because I think it'll be suitable for the garden we're going to visit. It's very good in to tolerate wind and it flowers for such a, a long period. So that's Parahebe. It's called, the variety is called Avalanche because avalanche, the white, lovely white flowers, it's literally covered in flowers yeah. when it comes so into So it's like flower. an avalanche. Of, yeah. Exactly. It's low growing yeah. and when it flowers, you've got that beautiful panicles of, of white flower. Something with foliage colour, there's a plant called um, Senecio Angel's Wings, which is this particular plant with the silver leaves. So for leaf colour, without flower, just for pure leaf colour, this That's is a plant. It's a beautiful colour. It's lovely for a spot of colour through the border. So I'm going to plant this with some of the lupins and with some of the parahebe. It's got that beautiful silver leaf, 12 months mm. of the year, easy to grow, low growing. And for listeners that have it in the garden, sometimes it can form a nice big clump or it will form a nice big clump yeah. and you can divide it like a hosta and spread it to other parts of the garden. And when would you garden. do that? What time of the year? The do ideal it? time is to do it in November. Leave it right, till November. Okay. So allow it to grow this when year, feed it well. Yeah. And then once it comes into dormancy, divide it up and spread it into new areas. So that's Angel Wings, a lovely, simple plant to grow. Another one for a seaside area is Lavateria the Mallow. And the one, this particular one that's in studio is one called Barnsley Baby, which is a short variety with pink and white flowers. So it's a lovely two-toned mm. uh, flowering variety. Lavateria the Mallow, such a, an easy plant to grow. Uh, so so there, there are kind of five really easy to grow plants you can plant now 
for both flower and foliage colour and many of them will tolerate the open areas as well. Now, you and I have been looking at the weather, of course, for the week ahead. Uh, yeah. I said we'd mention about it. So, like, there is going to be a certain amount of showery weather. It's going to be very uh, mixed, yeah. Yeah, during the week. There will be sunny spells and scattered showers. So Mild. Uh, should that, or, like, sh- it shouldn't discourage people from Not going Not at all. To, no, no, no. I mean, the, the soil conditions at the moment are actually very good for planting. So, b- ideal planting conditions ideal conditions for sowing seed so if you're looking around your own garden you'll see the weeds beginning to pop up so get on top of the weeds get out your garden hoe keep those cultivated and keep them them you know don't let them get established but it's a super time for sowing the seed of vegetables herbs flowering plants ideal for planting bedding plants get your bedding plants into your garden now planting of trees and shrubs climbing plants roses for example so it's superb planting weather all the vegetables, you can continue to sow them from seed and from plants. So in your local garden centre, you'll have the green calabrese, you'll have the Brussels sprouts, the cauliflowers, the cabbage, cabbage hispe, savoy cabbage, which is a beautiful crinkled cabbage, particularly for autumn use and winter use. Radishes, swades, they're all available as plants now. Carrots, for example, as plants that you can plant directly out into the garden soil. So this showery, cool weather is actually great for planting the planting of the plants and look at your lawn, how quickly it's growing yeah. at the moment. So the feeding of plants as well, because if you're putting on fertilizer, you need some showery weather to wash that in. So the feeding of hydrangeas that I mentioned earlier on and the feeding of plants in general should occur now because plants are actively growing over the next six weeks. So get the fertilizers on now. So use the weather, you know, to, to, um, to your benefit, uh, particularly when we get that showery weather. And of course, watch out for the blight as well, as we mentioned earlier. No, I happened to be on your Facebook page during the week and I saw that video. Oh, the one with the coffee cup? Yeah. So, yeah, so that, that's, well, I told the listeners about, you know, yeah. using the coffee cup to germinate seed. Where is that available? People want to have a look at that. It, where, that's where, on my Facebook page. Pori Corkin Facebook. Pori Corkin, yeah. go onto the Facebook page. I did a little clip during the week of um, a simple coffee cup with basil. Yeah. So we use a lot of basil in the house and rather than having to buy plants, it's such an easy plant to sow from seed and you simply use the coffee cup. So all you do is fill it up with, two-thirds of organic compost or regular compost. Have the compost moist but not too wet. The coffee cup can sit on the windowsill, sow the seeds and cover with a little bit of perlite or some compost and literally put the lid of the coffee yeah. cup down on top of it. Very interesting video, just, how it starts and how it ends. Uh, yeah, those, what leave were it, those little plants? They were basil. They were basil yeah. and I will actually leave them in the coffee cup to grow on. We'll cut them as we want to use them. So we won't transplant They'll keep them. Going and They'll just keep on giving right through the summer. But you can use the coffee cup principle for the sowing of any seed. So it can be flower seed, vegetable seed or herb seed. That's really the point I was making. Use your windowsill to get them germinated. If you want to transplant them out then into the garden soil, you can do that. Or so many herbs in particular yeah are suitable for growing in the coffee cup, like all the Italian parsley, things like chives would be ideal, mm. oregano, marjoram, basil in particular works really well. And I just keep them sitting on the windowsill and every couple of weeks I'll sow some fresh seed and start it off again. And like the thing about it is you're actually recycling as well. Correct. And and there's, I think, a 20 cent from memory uh, surcharge now on coffee cups. So you're using the coffee cup. It makes the perfect propagator of any seed and a great way just to use your windowsill to get things started. Okay. So they're the type of things to be I doing. I know, look, it's 25 past nine already. We better take our very quick break. We'll be back with lots more after these. Lots of questions in as well, Porik. Now, me and you hunched over the computer. <laughs> look at the, I tell you, the WhatsApp Some is great. Because you have all the, yeah, yeah. And like, but not only that, but the, the pictures are fabulous. The pictures fab, are fabulous. Absolutely yeah. fabulous. And, so, and make it so, so easy uh, for us. Now, let's start at the very top here. Can you ask Porik, uh, what can I do to encourage my primrose to flower? 
I have massive green leaves and very few flowers. Oh, it's and unusual. I, they, they have fed them with tomato food. And maybe overfed them. Um, so look, at the primroses are, should have been in flower since March, really. If they're not flowering at the moment, um, they're, you know, they're not going to come into flower this year. You, what you could do at this time of year is to dig up the primroses and divide them into a couple of pieces and replant them. But don't feed them too much because you, you encourage too much leafy growth at the expense of flower, to be honest, Viv. Okay, and uh, uh, hi, Pori and Viv. Love listening to you on the Saturday mornings. Could you have a look at this picture of this weed? I yeah. can't get rid of it out of my garden. Thanks a million. Ailish. Hi, Ailish. So this is ground elder, uh, which is a perennial weed. It's a yeah. low-growing perennial Every year, weed. that means, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it comes yeah. back year after year. So Ailish, you can apply uh, weed-free 360 on a dry day. That will control ground elder. Now, you need to make sure that you apply the weed-free 360 only onto the foliage of the ground elder. So if there are any... Uh, shrubs close by, make sure you cover those with some polythene bags, make sure the, the leaves are protected and then apply the Weed Free 360 directly onto the um, ground elder. Add a little bit of washing up liquid to the mix and apply it on a dry day and that'll get rid of it. Now I'm going to give you a bit of a scud here, right? Do Horkins provide a service such as planting shrubs and flowering indoors, such as office space? No, no, no. No, we no. don't do anything like that. Okay, no problem at all. Uh, who else has been on to us here now? Let's have a look. Uh, can you tell me what, if anything, is wrong with this plant? Does it need repotting? Well, it, it, it definitely, it's an azalean and the pot looks a little bit small. It's actually one of the, the old um, urn pots, you know, the metal yes. pot. So it definitely, I would be moving it on to, into a larger pot or lot, larger container. It, it looks like it's been in that pot for quite a while. Um, so take it out, use some ericaceous compost when you're repotting it and uh, give it a good liquid feed as well. Or it maybe plant it out into the garden soil. So a nice plant looks like. Yeah, it looks plant. really well, but it's it's gone a little bit too big for the pot. Uh, hi, Parik. I have some early potatoes and scallions which I did not sow. Is no. it too late to <laughs> sell them now? Grace wants to know. And this often happens. People buy potatoes with the best intention. Look at Grace. Get them into the garden soil. It's not. See too late. what happens. Yeah, I mean the potatoes. The, the the great old saying was, "You can plant potatoes until the ash is fully in leaf." And ash trees are struggling to come into leaf at the moment. Um, so normally up to the end of May, you can plant your potatoes into the ground they'll be perfectly fine the same applies to the scallions get them planted and it's not too late people often think it's too late to plant vegetables you can sow the seed and the plants of vegetables right up until the end of July so there's plenty of time to, for planting uh, Good morning the branches on the one side of a four year old weeping beech tree appear dead oh. why is this happening I'm going to show you the photo now in a second yeah, Could be down uh, to just to wind, wind damage oh yeah well look at it. if there's any if there's any dead branches they'll be very um, On the right hand side Yeah you just can see Just describe it for the listeners Well, so, so this is a small weeping purple beech um, you can see it's just come into leaf and, and beech is very late this year because of the cold easterly winds normally beech comes into leaf the first week of May but this year I mean my own beech hedge is really it's still sparse, sparse it's, well yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, it, it's nearly full now but it, it has been very slow this year so beech has been uh, quite slow you'll know the dead branches simply by the they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll obviously be very brittle and they can be pruned off and that will stimulate some new growth and give it a good feed as well uh, hi Viv, ask Porik, why doesn't the Himalayan poppy seeds uh, don't grow for me? Why don't they grow, grow for me? Uh, tried last year and again this year, did all what Por uh, the packet said. <laughs> I was going to say Porik said. 
and yeah. does he, Himalayan pot piece they're and a beautiful out to yourself it's a lovely plant it's yeah. Mechanopsis it's the actual botanical name um, of the blue poppy so this is generally poppies are either red or orange or yellow uh, particularly the California poppies and are so see, easy from seed but Mechanopsis is a more tricky variety uh, to sow from seed so you really need to have a propagator a little heated propagator is the ideal way to sow it the seed is quite small so sow it in a very fine compost have the compost moist but not too wet uh, sow the seed finely and cover it with some perlite and put some cling film over the top of the tray and then put it into a warm propagator a heated propagator and that's the best way to propagate mechanopsis or blue poppies Thank you, Boric. Uh, can you please ask about the Star of Bethlehem flower? Where can I get it? Any ideas? Oh, yeah. This is this is a plant called Campanula. It's a real old cottage garden plant called uh, the Star of Bethlehem or, or Campanula. It comes in both blue and it comes in a white form. And it's in the garden centre, actually, at the moment. Um, so it's available now. It's a perennial plant. It's lovely in an alpine rockery. People will often see it at the moment trailing over uh, walls. It cascades down. Beautiful deep purple flowers, bluey, purpley flowers. Such an easy plant to grow. But this is the time to plant at Star of Etlam or ask in your local garden centre for Campanula and it comes in that beautiful white or blue form and it flowers every year. A really terrific plant. Uh, Porrick, is it time to trim red robins, Anne, once in a Yeah, and you could cut them back now. Um, Red robin responds from pruning very well at any time of year. So prune it now, give it a feed. And and I'd prune it again probably at the end of July, early August, Anne. That helps to encourage lots of new growth in a bushier and more colourful plant. Now, a listener got her, I think it's Chloe, she got a present of a camellia japonica. Great, yeah. Uh, When can I sow outside, please? Well, plant it outside straight away, uh, Chloe, because it is an outdoor plant that's been in flower since February um, so it's such an easy plant to grow and camellias will tolerate a shaded area you can grow them against a wall if you want you can grow it in a large pot remember that it is an ericaceous plant so you need some ericaceous fertiliser so by ericaceous I mean it dislikes lime in the soil so get a bag of ericaceous compost dig it into the soil and plant your camellia ideally a, a kind of a semi-shaded sheltered area it is an evergreen shrub it's going to grow to six or eight feet in time so you know pick the right spot for it but in terms of planting you couldn't get better weather and feed it this is important with camellias rhododendrons azaleas all the spring flowering plants this is the time of year that they're they're going out of flower and it's the time to start feeding them because you're building them up for next year and how well they grow during the summer determines how well they flower next spring so look after them during the summer period I have a peony rose that has a healthy leaves but no buds it was the same last year uh, but it flowered the year before that. Okay, is well, that, is that so peony that roses and peony roses are in full flower at the moment in many gardens. They're that beautiful. They're like a big headed rose viv in shades of pink, white, and red. Oh, it's a lovely old cottage garden plant. Generally grows about a meter in height, about a meter in diameter. I remember when we a couple of years ago with Deirdre, we had a listener that had fifty blooms on the one peony rose absolutely gorgeous but they they can be shy to come into flower particularly so you often buy them in in your local garden centre they're in flower when you purchase them because they're in a pot and they're quite restricted they get out into the freedom of the soil and they tend to do a lot of growing at the expense of flowering and they will settle down to flowering and the way to encourage them is to put a little bit of rose feed around the base of them at this time of year and repeat that in about a month's time and that slows down the growth and induces them to flowering. So it can take them several years. It takes a lot of energy, I suppose, for them, the plant itself, to actually do that. Well, you see, once they get into the freedom of the soil, like like many plants, like hydrangeas, peony roses, lilacs often do this as well. They tend to do a lot of leafy growth 
uh, you know, before settling down to flowering. So to encourage that flowering, feeding them with a high potassium rose fertiliser once a month helps to encourage that. Don't do any digging, don't do any messing about with it, just literally feed it. Now there's a few questions there about blight. So the okay. first one, I'll just read the first one. What is the best blight spray? Uh, and then another one there, what do you recommend for blight? So, so, the, so the treatment you, you mentioned use, it earlier. Yeah, it's you? called Bear it's blight control uh, you'll buy it in your local garden centre so it's made by Bayer it's a liquid B-A-Y-E-R B-A-Y-E-R Bayer uh, Bayer blight control you mix it in water you apply it to the foliage and that protects for up to two weeks Okay, lovely So repeat it every every, and just keep an eye out on the blight warnings that's really what what I was recommending Yeah, we have another picture here Porik if you can come over and have a look at that Yeah, 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 so you can see the yellowing so let's see what this uh, listener says. There's a message here somewhere, uh, I think. Hang on a second. I think that the, the, the listener was saying, like, why are these leaves going yeah, like so that? Yeah, they're, so they're showing a little bit of, of oh, blight yeah. damage. See there? Uh, that's the, what, that's the blight damage there, yeah, the black yeah, the spots. yellowing. Yeah. And you see the little, little uh, spots, little kind of brown spots, yeah. piculated spots on the on the leaves. So that's a, a sure indication of a little bit of blight. Now, the bare treatment, if you have early blight like this, it'll stop that. It'll actually rescue that plant yeah. um, so get that bare treatment on today if you can yeah god it looks it yeah. looks but don't as it's only starting it's yeah. only starting it's early yet so it's not it's the, the, the plants will come back from that yeah because uh, yeah I, I hear you now um, this one here look at this I'm going to read you out first I'll show you the picture then Hi Vivian Porik I'm really blessed to show this yellow rhododendron full blossom I've waited patiently for about five or six years Porik for this every year it would have lots of blossom but got hit with frost Worth the wait. I have a few hydrangeas, but one of the pink ones puts on flower buds early and gets frostbitten, but doesn't manage to reflower later on. That's our Ballyhawness listener. Hello to you. But so this look would, at that. That's a rhododendron. That's a beautiful. Like this, so to describe it to listeners, it's it's one of the dwarf rhododendrons. It's probably a variety called shamrock, um, which is a, a beautiful yellow flowering variety. Uh, it, in diameter, it's probably at least a metre in diameter. I'd say it's probably two, maybe three feet yeah. in height, Viv, at the moment. Um, lovely plant, lovely example. I mean, there are literally hundreds of flowers hundreds. on that plant. And as the listener says, it took five years for it to come into flower. So um, that is typical of what I was saying about the lilacs and the peony roses and rhododendrons. Sometimes plants take time to settle down to flowering. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the listener needs to feed that plant during the summer period with a nericaceous feed to build it up for next year and make sure that it comes back into flower next spring again. Now, Danny has a beautiful, I don't know what, what you would call it, but Danny has a beautiful uh, area there with a mayo flag in the middle of it and he has some boxwood. Yeah, lovely boxwood. Aren't they beauties? Yeah. He said, well, feeding them. Hang on. Yeah, this question. is the time of year to feed them, Danny. I'd also treat them with the top box um, treatment, which helps to keep the box blight off them. Again, you get that in your local garden centre. It's just a, a simple treatment you so put same, on. Same, the same, the same. Thing. Just, it's just yeah. a simple treatment you put onto the foliage. And actually, the top boxes actually has a feed in it as well. So maybe use that, Danny. You'll get that. It's a top box. It's um, a blue tablet. You mix it in water. You apply it to the foliage of the boxwood. It feeds it and it helps to prevent any disease problems with them as well. But they're they're absolutely lovely. There's, yeah, what, there's 10, ten of them there, ten right? Them, yeah, 10 lovely bo- And they're actually on a, is it a gravel base? Gravel bed, yeah. Just kind of like a, like a little formal garden. Obviously, Danny keeps them trimmed. But look at the shrubs to the foreground as well. I was well. going to ask you about that. Very, very healthy. What are they? Yeah. There's a mixture there. Again, some boxwood, some spirea, uh, but overall, the it's um, plants are doing really Beautiful. well. Beautiful, but like I didn't realize that you you could actually grow them. I thought, no, boxwood traditionally I always thought was in front of the front door in a 
in a pot. Oh, no, no. You can grow them out in the yeah. garden soil. People make hedges of them. They make great topiary, so you can trim them and, and shape them into whatever shape you want. Um, you know, they're so slow growing. You know, they're so easy to grow. Okay, we've loads more questions. So what, I tell you, we have a quick break to take. I'll take that and we'll come back with the final part of our programme and uh, back to the other side of these. Now, you're very welcome back to the final part of our programme and uh, we're going to go straight back into the questions. Help, says a listener, I need a screen off a neighbour's view into my garden. I don't have time to let small hedging plants grow as I need some privacy ASAP. Okay. Uh, is it possible to get tall evergreen plants? I need something to last at least two metres high and bushy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, no problem. And can, can they plant this time of the year, though? Oh, yeah, the planting conditions are absolutely ideal. And if you need to get instant screening and instant hedging, there are hedging plants right up to two, even three metres available for planting now that will give you instant screening. So plants like Portuguese laurel, common laurel, grisolinia will be available, beech, Fortinia Red Robin, they're all available as tall, instant, you know, they may be five, six-year-old plants. They're available for planting directly into the garden soil. So if you need instant privacy, it's available. Okay. Uh, I love flowering begonias as I find they flower for so long for me and my baskets and pots this year. I would like to try some trailing begonias. What type should I look for? That will train, uh, they will trail and flower all summer. Mick yeah. wants to know. No, look, a, a great time of year for planting begonias and begonias will flower from mid-June right through to November. So they're well worth planting. There's a whole range of trailing begonias called illumination. So they come in apricot, peach, red, yellow. Look for those in your local garden centre. Illumination is the variety you're looking for or ask them for the trailing begonias and it's safe to plant those out of doors now and they're brilliant in baskets, containers and give so much colour. Okay, Porig. Um, now let's, let's go with some other ones here. Now let's come in through Teresa. Let's have a look. Uh, question for Porig uh, for his programme, Saturday the 21st of May. So that's for today, all right? Uh, uh, question for Porig. Now here we are. I have scarified my lawn and removed thatch and a lot of moss that was killed with zero. Good. Uh, what feed fertiliser should I put on my lawn now, says Adrian? So look, a, a perfect time to feed lawns again with the sort of weather we're having. So again, put on a good quality lawn fertiliser, something like the the zero lawn feed uh, will be ideal. Apply that now. It'll green up the lawn without forcing growth. Okay, how do you get rid of d- dandelions in a lawn? Is there a way of doing that? Or well, remember do, would you d- want to do it? Well, not not necessarily. Remember that the dandelions are there to, to you know, the flowers are, are very attractive for the bees and so on. So maybe leave well enough alone. If you want to treat the dandelions, do it in the autumn. Okay. What's the name of a tree laden with yellow flowers like upside down trees? What do you think? Haven't got a clue. (laughs) It's in flower everywhere at the moment. These are the beautiful laburnum trees. So laburnums are in full flower. The flowers are about a foot long and they hang, as as the listener describes them, they hang and drape down off the plant. So that's the laburnum. Remember, they are poisonous, so uh, be careful where you're planting them. But very decorative tree at the moment. No, I love this one. Ask young Porig, is there still time or is it getting too late to sow potatoes and vegetable seed? I know we talked well, about this. Look, it's, it's fantastic weather for planting. Your local garden centre will have loads of vegetable plants available, like we mentioned, the cauliflower and the Brussels sprouts and the cabbage in plant form, but also sow some seed at the same time. And it's not too late. You can sow right up to the end of July. Lawn with leather jackets. Any? Yeah. Well, the, the treatment to use was the um, nematodes that we featured a couple of weeks back. Um, so if you can get those locally, that will be the, the, the best treatment for leather jackets. Nematodes. Nematodes. Okay, just bought a tray of scallions. Where is the best place to slow them, greenhouse or outside? Well, both. And if, if you're lucky enough to have a greenhouse or polytunnel, I always recommend planting... S- 
some half the crop inside and half the crop outside because you're staggering then the cropping period. So get your scallions planted in the greenhouse and plant some outside at the same time. But plant other plants as well to complement them. Now, we talked about the blight earlier, but a listener wants to know, uh, did Porrick say the potatoes have to be sprayed even if the stalks are just showing? Well, remember that the blight will, won't discriminate between one leaf above the ground or, or foot of growth above the ground. So as soon as the leaves are above the ground, they're susceptible to blight. So uh, if they're peeping above the soil, my advice is to treat them because the blight warning is there. What would be suitable to plant under a red berry weeping tree? I have a good wide circle of stone underneath it. Any ideas? Well, that the, the star of Bedlam that we mentioned would be absolutely lovely and it would trail over the edge of um it would trail down over the edge of the the rockery which would be nice the little parahebe that i mentioned earlier on parahebe avalanche would be lovely as well it give fantastic color and um, some of the any of the kind of rockery alpine plants some of the dianthus would be available at, at the moment would be lovely as well I am new to gardening, says a listener, Okay, which is always great to have somebody new. And I've just potted some begonias for my windowsills. Well done. Something is eating the leaves. (laughs) All right, what should I do? Many thanks. Anne, Anne, congratulations on being a new gardener. Absolutely. And you started with a great plant because begonias are so easy to grow and and yet um, will give you tons of colour right through the summer. And irrespective of the weather we get, begonias always perform, whether it's wet or sunny. Um, It sounds like a little bit of slug damage and so get some of the organic pellets and that'll keep them off. Um, now, uh, could you ask Porik, why is there green weeds like shamrock browning in my flowers and hanging baskets? Christina in Westport wants to know. Well, it sounds, it sounds like the, if it's got shamrock-like leaves, it's probably oxalis. Um, so oxalis is a weed very similar to shamrock. It's got the same leaf structure. You've probably a little bit of that. It may be have seeded in from if you're using moss in your hanging baskets, you'd often get oxalis mixed yeah. through it. Um, just pick it out and take it out. It'll... Uh, it's not going to do too much damage. Now, uh, let's have a look here now on this one here. Uh, can I transfer hosta now? Well, hostas are in full leaf at the moment. If they're in pots and you want to transplant them out into the garden soil, you can certainly do that. If they're planted in the soil and growing really well, my advice is to leave them alone until November. Dig them up at that time of year. You can split them and make new plants of them. So they're actively growing at the moment. So leave well enough alone if they're in the garden soil. Now, a snail eating question. Uh, it's e- eating the leaves of my lupins. Mm. Do you do. spray tomatoes with same spray as potatoes? Yes, to tomb listener. Yeah, so use the bare blight treatment on tomatoes and potatoes. And in terms of lupins, lupins, yeah. lupins are loved by slugs and snails. So you'll need to put a little bit of, of um, slug control down for that. And again, there's plenty of organic treatments available. Would you there. recommend you have anyone? Little and often, little and often. The organic pellets are work really well. Or there's a, a liquid um, made by grazers, which again is a liquid that you can apply onto the foliage of the lupins and that keeps them well protected as well. But look for the organic sprays. Little and often is the trick really. And there's another one here about this. Uh, I work away each week. I was devastated this morning when I saw my cabbages. It's nearly eaten away and it's left full of holes. Uh, could I save what's left? What's uh, well, you could certainly. What, what is this? What well, the slugs. It, yeah. Well, it could be it could be slugs or snails, but you you you've also got a, a little pest called the capsid bug, which eats small holes in cabbages. Um, it's a small little beetle, um, and there are treatments for that, um, that that can be applied as well. But look, maybe. Um, pop into the local garden centre and we'll sort you out with a treatment for us. Okay, chicken weed in a polytunnel. Also, a new lawn has chicken weed. The same weed. compost was used. Chicken weed. Chick- so we've got chicken. It's, it's a terrible spreading <laughs> weed. That was a foul thing to say, wasn't it? <laughs> so, um, it, look at it, it. The best way to really control it, it's an annual weed. 
the key with chickweed is to stop it from seeding. Um, my advice, rather than using any sprays, I would just get out the garden hoe and hoe it off. It hoes off very, very easily yeah. and re- reseed the area, re-sow the area again. Uh, are strawberry trees in stock at the moment? I'm not sure they're in stock, but we can always order you in. So strawberry plants are available, but the strawberry tree is our beautiful. Is there such job. a thing, yeah? Yeah, oh yeah, there is. Yeah, it's a native Irish tree. Yeah. You should know it because it's, it's native to Ireland. Arbutus unido. It's it's actually a very beautiful tree. It's an evergreen tree, bears white flowers, red fruit in the autumn. Strawberries the fruit, like strawberries. Well, they don't taste like strawberries, but it gets the name strawberry tree. They're about the size of a small marble. Yeah. They are edible. Um, and the tree makes it beautiful. The best examples of them I've seen is in the botanic gardens. They have some absolutely beautiful varieties of Arbutus unido. It grows to about 20 feet in height, beautiful mahogany bark, yeah. and it grows wild in Killarney. So r- all around Killarney, there are wild uh, Arbutus unido strawberry trees growing in that area. Th- is that where all the seeds are in the fruit? They're in the fruit, yeah, yeah. And it actually flowers and fruits at the same time. It, it flowers and fruits in the autumn. Uh, so the flowers and the fruit are on this, the tree at the same time, but a lovely tree. Yeah. Uh, so if your if your listener is interested in one, pop into the garden centre and we'll order you one in if we don't have it in stock. Okay. Uh, when do roses bloom? Well, that's a cryptic one now, is it? When do tr- the, well, the, the, roses will generally start to flower about the middle of June, and right. they carry on. If you're deadheading and feeding them on a regular basis, they'll flower up till Christmas. And it's a great time of year for planting roses in general. They both climbing ground covering roses and just roses in general if you want a bit of colour for the summer they're one of the easiest plants to grow uh, Could you n- n- repeat the name of the restaurant in Castlebar that grows their own Mr. name? Also, oh, that's, um, that's Barry Ralph's The House of Plates The House of Plates uh, Lovely, lovely and the great thing about, about um, House of Plates anything that, that Barry doesn't grow himself or use in the restaurant he sows locally yeah. So it's all local produce. And this listener also... We'll be doing a piece anyway. Yeah. We'll be doing a piece on Okay, so you, you get the whole load out. I'll get the story. Oh, you get the story. <laughs> also, uh, I sowed my radishes too close together. How do I sort them? Well, anyway? you can thin them out and, and that can be, you know, the sowing of any seed naturally that can be um, sown too closely together. So thin out every second seedling and that will allow um, those remaining to develop properly. And harvest radish when it's young. Don't be waiting for it to get... If you Massive, leave it too long, yeah. it gets too woody. So it take you know when they're about the size of a large marble, start to use them. The yeah. same applies with carrots. Don't be waiting for them to produce the full foot long carrot. Take them when they're small and young. You hardly have to peel them. You just wash them under the yeah. sink and and use they're them straight away. When they're, the they're, thinnings, yeah. yeah, use the thinnings. So uh, use them right through the season. Good morning, Parikaviv. We have a large row of daffodils that haven't flowered in three years. Do I dig them up or is it feed, feed they them. need? Yeah, feed them up for next year. Now, if they're in the same spot for a long period of time, it might be a good idea to, to lift them, divide them and separate them because the bulbs may have gone too small if they're in very thick clumps. So daffodils naturally keep spreading outwards and the bulbs start to get smaller because they're fighting for the same piece of space. So if they're there a long time, I would lift them and this would be an excellent time to do that. Divide them, replant half them back into the original spot, plant the other somewhere else and then start to feed them because you build them up for next year. Now Anne says she loves your show, Porrick, and she says, what's the best apple trees to plant for cooking apples and eating apples and how far apart should they be for pollution? for pollination for pollination yeah for pollination so look at the bees the bees do the work between the apples so you can plant you can space them as long as they're spaced within the one garden they'll the bees will find them and they'll move between one and the other depending on the space you have if you've it's a fair if it's a fairly restrictive space 
go for the coronet family of apple trees. They only grow to about six feet in height, about four feet in diameter. Each tree will produce up to 20, maybe 30 apples, and they come in both cooking and eating forms. And the, the, the secret really is to go for a mixture of different varieties, Viv. So you can mix cooking and eating apples together. And even with the eating apples, make sure you get varieties like James Grieve or Katie or... Um, Cox's Orange Pippin so that you have a variety of different apples that will cross-pollinate. You can also, like I mentioned a couple of weeks back, introduce a malus, the malus family, which are in the apple family, to, to cross-pollinate the trees as well. So, uh, depending really on the space, great time of year for planting fruit in general. Okay, the dahlia, the, da- the sorry, beg your pardon, the dahlia yeah. bulbs, can they plant it now? Yes, absolutely. Get them out into the garden soil now, definitely. Okay, what trees are best to sow in front of an old type stone wall? It's not very high, the wall is, but it's like seven or eight feet. Well, maybe go for some of our native Irish trees. So the roans are absolutely lovely at the moment. The mountain ash, they're in full flower. Um, so these are the Sorbus family, Sorbus Comixta, uh, Sorbus Joseph Rock, Vilmariana. There's a whole range of different varieties. Why I like the roan trees is that A, they're fantastic for the bees because they're in full flower at the moment. They produce beautiful berries in the autumn that the birds absolutely love and they make a relatively small tree and of course they're native to Ireland as well so they're the, the Sorbus family there's another tree called Sorb- Sorbus arielutescens which has got beautiful silver leaves again it's flowers and it buries but it's got these fantastic silver leaves at this time of year the Malus family would be good as well that I mentioned earlier uh, there's Mar- Malus Everest or Mar- Malus John Downey which are lovely trees and a great Great planting weather for trees at the moment. Okay, planted first early's Duke of York potatoes. This will be our final question Great. in a tunnel on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, this is wondering when they, can they harvest? Well, as soon as they're ready, because Duke of York is one of the nicest er, first and early potatoes. And how will potatoes. they know? The, the easiest way to know is just to de- lift one of the, uh, the, one of the stalks, yeah. one of the stalks, just lift one, see what's underneath Put it. Your hand Put out. the hand in have and check out the little feel of the tumour. And if it's once the size the size of about an egg, they're ready to harvest. So um, check them any time from kind of, normally if they're in the tunnel since St. Patrick's Day, generally from about the end of May onwards, they should be ready to harvest. But do that check. Okay, we've about a minute and a half left, all right? Okay. So will you just go through some of the things people should be doing? Well, remember the five shrubs that I mentioned? So yeah. the lupins to plant now, that lovely uh, Senecio angel's wings can be planted this time of year the Parahibi avalanche which is absolutely stunning the star of Bethlehem that we, we featured earlier great time to plant that and people are admiring it in gardens at the moment the sowing of seeds Viv in particular weather conditions are absolutely perfect make sure you get the blight control on your potatoes and your tomatoes and protect yeah. them um, and to keep the, the tunnels well ventilated and keep the, leaf, the, the um, water off the leaves plant vegetables so get out and get your, the vegetables planted into the garden soil and there's lots of vegetable plants available. The planting in general, the hydrangeas I mentioned, if you want colour later on for the summer, get some of those lupins and get some of those hydrangeas into the garden soil because they'll be blooming for June right through to the end of November. Do up your hanging baskets, do up your window boxes. If you've got them done already, start liquid feeding them now and start you know, encouraging the young growth because they'll be coming into flower very, very soon. And on the lawns front? Lawns again, the sowing of new lawns, the sowing of wildflowers and the feeding of lawns is critical at this time of year. So get on the zero lawn feed, that'll green it up without forcing growth. But sowing new lawns or repairing lawns at the moment and indeed sowing the wildflowers. And remember it's bee day, so look after the bees this summer. Indeed it is. Well look, that's where we got to leave it. Looking forward to the programme We're going to have a great programme next week. I can't wait for it. So thanks a million for this week, Porrick. And thank you to each and every one of our listeners 
for all your questions. We didn't get to some of them, but we'll hold them over for next week, if that's all right. As always, thanks a million to Teresa on the phones. Thank you, Teresa, for all your help. And we'll do it all again next Saturday morning, just after nine.